Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good evening or afternoon, everybody. Uh, Let's just get started thinking positively. Leadership is the art of getting someone else to do something you want done because he wants to do it. I believe that was Dwight Eisenhower. If everything seems under control, you're not going fast enough. Mario Andretti. There's a difference between being a leader and being a boss. There we go. All right. Uh, you know, as, as always, I, I try to uh, steer you <laughs> towards uh, my uh, my webpage. And, uh, you know, you can just go to WHK 1420 AM and go, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show Tim Hayes, and it goes directly to my webpage. We have a lot of good stuff that you can get from there. If you own a business, and we have a, a, a great piece, it's about 10 pages. It's a business owner's guide to transition planning. It allow, allows you to you know, think about the future a little bit. And by the way, you know, there's a lot of private equity firms out there buying companies, and they're buying them cheap. They're buying them really cheap, okay? And then they're fixing them up and selling them like three or four times, five times, six times EBITDA, okay? And they're buying them at book. Uh, so, you know, well, we can help you there, too, by the way. Also, the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. How does credit fit into your financial goals right now? And I think you've, you've got to know that, all right? Uh, but we also have a couple other things. We have our all-cap uh, portfolio. It's small cap, large cap, and, and we've had a couple absolute home runs on that uh, thing. It's unbelievable. Uh, and our dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list. For those that are retiring, if you can get a combination of these two, you can get a check a month. <laughs> All right? We've set it up. I mean, I've, I've looked it over, and there's a check a month. And uh, it's a great piece there. So, you know, uh, we'll just leave it in there. By the way, if you go to my webpage, uh, under Insight, there's uh, how the Fed is shifting into an inflation stance. Why is that important? Uh, 5G, what's next, you know, the next generation? What's it all about? And the future of uh of transport, uh, well, I should say just uh, generally leisure and, you know, uh, taking it easy for a while. See what happens there. Okay. So those are all available. Uh, take it from there. Okay. So that's, you know, WHK 1420 AM. Go to their webpage, go to local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, and it's all there. Uh, Insights is, uh, by the way, Bob Dickey under bulletin board. Uh, Bob Dickey's our head technician. Uh, he, he talks about charts and graphs. And sometimes, you know, the market's so big, it's better to see what they're doing than listen to them. Trust me on that. So uh, a couple things I noticed this week, and, and then I'm gonna, we'll get into some other stuff. Uh, number one um, is the TYX. Okay, so what is the TYX? The TYX is the 30-year treasury. All right, and um, I think it, it went into a column of X's this week, meaning that's the yield. Okay, we're talking about the yield. So the yield went positive this week. That means it might go higher. Who knows? Uh, also, the percent of 50, These. this is the number, uh, it's kind of a, when it's over 50, it's very positive. When it's under 50 or when it breaks below 50, it's, it's kind of negative. It went below 50% this week, uh, which was interesting. Uh, that's from our friends at, at Dorsey Wright, by the way. Uh, also, agriculture was so the agricultural stocks had the biggest momentum move this this last two weeks. So, hmm, a couple other things I noticed: uh, we have more one percent up and down uh, days this year than all but four years since 1986. How's that? Huh? A lot of <laughs> you need a neck brace to watch the market. Uh, a couple other things I've seen: uh, the VIX. 
looks like it might have made a double bottom. Meaning it might be going higher. And when the VIX goes higher, the market usually goes lower. So there we go. I did know gaming broke out this week. So there we go. And uh, the bullish percent for the S&P 500 went into a column of X's this week, uh, which is kind of interesting. And uh, that doesn't mean the bullish percent does. This is the bullish percent for the S&P 500, not for the, you know, the bullish percent for like 5,000 stocks. Okay. So, all right. So Tom Lee uh, at Fundstrat, you know, he's, he's been calling this pretty well. And since uh, Lori Calzone, Cal- Cal Vassina, <laughs> I'll get her name right eventually, is on maternity leave. We, we thought we'd go to Funstrat a little bit and see what they're saying. Anyway, he, you know, he said, look, uh, COVID remains a global crisis, and we realize that many people need to keep up with the development. So uh, I think at this point, if we go back to what Teddy Roosevelt said, and I thought Tom put this perfectly, uh, his, his famous words were, in, a, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. The worst thing you can do is nothing. And that's that's correct. And uh, I, I think the worst thing U.S. policymakers could do is doing nothing. And uh, unfortunately, that seems to be happening right at the moment, especially uh, in Congress. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that this is a live show. So if you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. So that gets directly in the studio if you want to ask a question. So it's 216-901-0945. Now, Dr. Charles Murray uh, of IHME uh, said, based stated, uh, Americans lose fear they, the more careless we get. And uh, he, he's probably correct on that. So I think covert alerts are something uh, uh, you got to be careful with. I know numerous members of Congress, including our, our dear president, uh, did get covert. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's happening out there. So you got to be careful. Now, France is by far leading the way. Spain's second, United Kingdom's third, Germany and Italy are uh, fourth and fifth. Uh, I don't know where we sit on that poll. I didn't look. But uh, but I, I think the negative news is uh, 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 the Speaker of the House, Pelosi, reportedly told Democrats on a conference call on Friday morning that uh, she is pessimistic about an agreement with the White House, uh, that they'll pass the $2.2 trillion bill, uh, which is, I think, I don't know if we need a bill, you know, look, one of the things I've been noticing, gold's up, copper's up, silver's up. That is all positive economics. Okay. We're starting to see some inflation. The commodity research bureau from its high in 2009 is down 85% from top to bottom. And now it's starting to rally. That's a good thing. That shows us economic activity. So I think the president really wants a bill. I'm not so sure about, uh, Mark Meadows and Mr. McConnell. So uh, I think they want a smaller bill. That's <laughs> what it comes down to. But we'll see what happens. Um, you know, so look, if you look at the small towns, uh, you know, the, ur- the urban trend uh, for COVID has been less because people are staying home. The smaller towns are starting to pick, are, are starting to uh, have less and less, or have more and more uh, COVID situations. So I think you got to be, you know, careful and, uh, I thought uh, initial jobless claims this week were were kind of interesting. Um, you know, you know, it was it was a situation where um, they improved slightly, uh, which is encouraging. Um, they'll probably remain high for a while. I think a lot of people are using this thing to really get these young kids to work for them for nothing, which I think stinks, but uh, it's the way of of business, I guess. And the ISM manufacturing index came in at 55.4%. And that's, that's important too. So, you know, some good things are happening. Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, you got to look at uh, some things and, and uh, here and there and, you know, be, be careful. Now we did, you know, you got to go back to that gap in the S and P 500, I think, you know, that occurred down to 3,300. So that might be, you know, uh, they might fill that gap real quick. Uh, so that, that'd be something I'd be worried about. But, uh, you know, on and on, I think we're in pretty good shape. Look, um, let's talk about the election a little bit, because I think it's important. You know, I, as you, I mean, election season is coming quick, folks. The tax landscape and proposed changes to social policy and benefits have merged as key issues for the presidential candidates. Uh, and you factor in the economic turmoil caused by the COVID uh, and the related federal and state deficits, and you have an ideal setting for a robust debate on taxes, folks. Uh, look, with any change in administration, there's a change in direction and therefore policy. And, and that was the case in 2017 when uh, Mr. Trump took over. Uh, during his tenure, 
many uh, tax policy changes occurred, including tax cuts and job tax, which were, you know, I thought were positive for the uh, overall economy. Uh, some people were questioning whether they were good for the deficit. We don't know. But look, uh, but, you know, if we look at the two candidates presently, uh, the present law for individual tax uh, tax rates is, you know, they range from 10 to 37 percent. What Biden wants to do is increase the, the tax rate to 39.6 percent for income over 400,000. Uh, now, Trump wants to make those those first things I talked about permanent and propose a 22 percent middle class tax cut. Also, capital gains, uh, the zero to 20 is a special rate. He wants uh, Biden wants to tax ordinary incomes for taxpayers over a million uh, at ordinary income. OK, so 39 percent. I think that would be uh, very detrimental to the economy, my humble opinion. Uh, and financial tax and transaction tax on equity and debt trade. Uh, that's for the guys that are doing the high high frequency stuff. Uh, the Trump administrative advisors have made public comments in support of indexing capital gains to exclude the portion attributable to inflation. That's that's really interesting. Uh, retirement savings. Uh, the, the Biden administration they want to enhance current retirement tax breaks for low and middle income workers. Uh, they want to equalize the various forms of retirement savings tax breaks. And uh, Mr. Trump wants to continue to stand behind the Secure Act provisions. So, look. Uh, in individual taxes under the uh, the current plan, individual tax ranges from 10 to 37. You know, Biden wants to increase it. So, uh, you know, the one thing you know, if you notice, in the last 40 years, when there's been tax increases, they voted that group out pretty quickly. Uh, now, Trump's made some. Uh, you know, there's some talk about payroll tax, and and Biden wants to eliminate eliminate the Social Security tax exemption. Remember, he stood up in Congress and said. Uh, you know, I, I don't want the I don't want Social Security and other stuff anymore. Uh, a long time ago, so uh, who knows? But I think Trump wants a temporary deferral of the employee 6.2 percent of the Social Security tax, which would be interesting too. So we'll see what happens then. Um, now, uh, I do think uh, here I am. Uh, oops, wrong one. <laughs> uh, no, that's the right one. I'm sorry. Uh, um, well, here, we'll go to this. I, I was looking uh, at Bob Dickey puts out his market maps every uh, every month. And, uh, you know, he had some things to say. The S&P 500 has moved up to new highs within the overall bull market of the past 12 years. He thinks some consolidation is uh, in order and uh, will continue. Uh, but he also, you know, basically said the long-term growth rate, about 8% plus dividends, is still intact. And he said, you know, look, there's 16 to 18-year cycles. There are secular bull markets and there's secular uh, bear markets. And he thinks we're in a secular bull. Now, I disagree with him here. He says it started in 13. I think it started in, at the end of 16. But one of the things we also look at is the four-month versus the 13-month moving average. When the four-month dips below the 13-month moving average, it's a lookout below. It has just now turned back up above the 13-month moving average, which is interesting. As far as investor sentiment is concerned, I think this is important. Here we keep going to new highs, and investor sentiment keeps making lower highs. So nobody's bullish. Man, as a contrary indicator, I don't know of anything, anything more bullish, okay? So everybody's bearish, and the market keeps going up. You know, the most bullish thing the stock market could do or a stock could do is go up. <laughs> and yet everybody's just saying, ah, it can't be, it can't be, it can't be. Yeah, but it is. Now, the dollar, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, the dollar breaking down a couple of weeks ago. And, and I said it was oversold. It would probably rally. It has. And it's kind of right at the resistance point. So it'll be interesting to see how it, how it does. Uh, if interest rates go up. You know, I, I talked about the TYX earlier uh, being, you know, in a column of X's. Uh, usually the dollar will rally, okay? Uh, and that would not be good for gold or silver. I think gold's, uh, you know, looks great on a long-term chart, but it was parabolic there for a while. So as long as it holds, a, I think, 1,800, it might dip below that one day. Who knows? Uh, oil still looks kind of, you know, tough. I mean, it's just a it's a scenario. But look, commodities, uh, you know, back in 2009 and 10. We're at a high, and they literally went down 85%. We are back to where we were in 1972 and 73. Uh, cotton prices the same. Oil prices the same. Um, milk and, and eggs 
are the same, okay? If not a little bit lower. Natural gas is lower. <laughs> so uh, we've bounced a little bit. So I think the fact that the, the Federal Reserve is starting to talk about inflation, um, I think is interesting. You know, one of the things I noticed is the stock market's selling off, but the bond market is not rallying. And look, I say this again, gold, silver, and copper. You know, copper broke over three bucks for the first time in a long, I mean, you know, a long time. <laughs> and uh, it's pulled back a little bit below there now, but silver broke out uh, a while back and, and, you know, gold had a big breakout. And now it's, you know, it, it takes time. Uh, but prices, those prices going up are a good sign for the economy, uh, an excellent sign for the economy. So I think that the fact that the commodity index is, is you know, starting to, pick up is very positive. Uh, the 10-year Treasury note for the last 150 years, the yield is at the lowest level it has ever been in the United States of America history. That's why you, you, you keep wondering why I keep talking about the savvy investor's credit workbook. What better time to borrow money, especially if you can get a fixed rate so if your kids are looking at a house, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a dynamite time to uh, uh, pay very close attention to that type of thing. All right. So I think, you know, if, if I were a betting man, I'd be, uh, I'd be betting on, uh, um, you know, that. But look, uh, from 1978 to 2019, CEO, CEO-based pay on realized compensation grew by 1,167%, far outstripping the stock market's growth of 741 so uh, that's what uh, I think a lot of people are complaining about. And companies, companies have raised more than $70 billion in U.S. IPOs so far in 2020. That outpaces the $62 billion haul for ni- uh, 2019. And that puts it on sack, uh, track for the second business year since 2014. And the Bureau of Transportation in 2019, U.S. airlines took in more than $2.8 billion in flight change fees. <laughs> Jeez, I wonder why they're making money. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Remember, if you have a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. I understand ACDC just got back together again. So uh, for those of you who like those guys. So I had two questions uh, that were emailed to me. One was last week. Uh, one one uh, person asked me about the marijuana stocks. And, uh, you know, like I have a lot of research on marijuana stocks. And uh, I've told everybody the one thing I don't like about marijuana stocks is that there are no barriers to entry. Uh, for example, uh, I know of a gentleman. Uh, He's a friend of a friend who uh, the police raided his house and he had 170 marijuana plants in his basement. Okay. And uh, one of his neighbors told on him, uh, it, you know, I met the guy. He's a good guy. He just had a bad habit, obviously. So, uh, uh, so that's, that's the problem. You can grow, you can grow the stuff anywhere. And, uh, you know, if they legalize it, uh, obviously they'll, they'll try to clamp down on that, but, you know, you don't go into the hills of California unless you want to get shot at because they got, you know, marijuana farms there everywhere. It's the same way down in Alabama. It's the same way in Texas. Uh, you know, so um, that's why I, I'm not a big fan of the marijuana stock. So uh, I have research if anybody wants it, but I'm not interested personally. And I also got a question from uh, Carl. I think that's it because I can't remote it writing. Uh, we, to- we spoke on the phone on Friday um, and he said, Tim, I'm scared to death that Democrats are going to win. Okay, look, I want you all to understand something. If you took $10,000 back in 1968, and I'm just picking a date, okay, and just left it in there when the Republicans were in there and the S&P 500, you'd have about $165,000. If you did Democrat only, and usually, by the way, there was the first two years of the Democratic Party when they switched over, so... Obviously, some of the Republican uh, type uh, uh, ideas, uh, you'd have $199,000. Now, if you did buy and hold, you'd have $1.43 million. Okay? So 
for those of you who are scared to death, I think you just got to, you know, use your head here and uh, uh, be, be smart about things. And, and uh, look, if, if Biden gets in, and I'm not a big fan of the guy personally, okay, uh, as most of you guys know on the show, I'm, I'm a Republican, uh, but there are places to go, okay? I've already got them mapped out. I, I have a whole list of Biden ideas, and uh, if you're doing business with me, you've probably heard about them already, uh, or, um, you know, just know that I have them done. Um, but, you know, um, there you go. I had a couple clients ask me about uh, gold. So, uh, look, I, I, uh, Ed Kopic, uh put together a uh, he had a momentum indicator called the Copic Curve, and uh, you know he, he had some he did some good great work, uh, fantastic work, still does. Uh, anyway, look, it's no holy grail, no no indicators, uh, no indicator is, but. Gold is a long way from a sell signal. That's all I'll say. I just think it, it had a big move, and it's got to digest the gains. But we do have Scott on the line. Scott, how are you? Hi, Tim. Good. Uh, it's good listening to you today. Um, I I uh, I uh, did. Uh, I had a good uh, rally from March, and I sold before the seventeen hundred point drop. And now, I know I'm going to take some short term uh, tax. Uh, positions on that, but uh, I'm kind of stuck right now. I got a little bit of AIG with nice dividend, even though it's, it's sitting there around 27, 28, but uh, just wondering if you have some points on, uh, I'm thinking of picking up some Verizon and maybe a few other more safe, safe stocks with good money flow. Uh, when you say, when you say good money flow, are you talking about dividends? Uh, yeah. Dividend and their cash, their cash flow. Is are you looking at cash well. flow? Verizon, DC. Uh, well, right. I'm a big fan of dividend growth, Scott. Uh, I mean, I, I I preach that on this show uh, every okay. every day. So uh, I have no problem with those type of names. I would be using weakness to uh, to be paying very close attention to that type of thing. Um, in my humble okay. opinion, uh, th- there's a lot uh, a lot of ideas out there that have done nothing for a long time. They continue to raise their dividends, or they have great dividends. Uh, you know, right. I've, I've got a huge, yeah. huge list in them. So I, I, I agree the with aristocrats. the aristocrats. Do you play with the aristocrats at all? The, the aristocrats uh, of yeah, the dividend stocks. I, I look at I look at dividend growth, and I look at uh, the income, what we call the prime income list. So the prime income list is important simply because there's a lot of people who retired who need the cash flow, and you're not getting right. the bonds now. So you know, right, I've, been, right. I've been thinking a cut. Co- like I, like I said last week, I can make a combination of from our dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list where you get to check them up. Excellent. You know? Hey, I wanted to make a yeah. comment on this. Uh, if Joe Biden went, not a whole lot's going to change. Listen, when Obama stepped in after uh, George Bush and George uh, uh, Cheney, the, the Dow Jones hit the low at 5,600. When he left, it was 18,000. And, you know, the, the, the Biden doesn't want to run the economy into the ground. So you switch over to more green stuff, and you'll get you'll get a nice ride. That's what I'm thinking. And actually, uh, that's what I was. The, the actual numbers, the, the market has done better under Democrats because they seem to give more money to the working people who spend their money. Um, you know, they uh, <laughs> they've increased taxes a lot, though. That's the big big thing, and well, that's yeah, why they get voted out all the time. Yeah, they they get voted well, out all the time because they raise taxes. You know. Well, I, mean, I can only say, you know, Tim, I just wanted to add this, and I'll let you, I'll let you go. Uh, you know, putting two trillion dollars on a credit card to give big tax breaks is uh, with no, with no fee, with no money coming back, and it's just adding to the debt. It reminds me of my college student, my college daughter, just adding more yeah. to the credit card and not paying. So yeah. uh, you know, you it's Santa Claus theory. You know what I mean? And then they yes, want to sir. be a little more responsible fiscally, and uh, you know we get the, you know they get the bad rap. But uh, listen, I'm still undivided voter. So uh, anyway, I'll okay. go with that. Tim. Thank you. All right, see ya. A uh, little political commentary, Scott. And and uh, anyway, uh, so the other thing I noticed about the markets is uh, I was looking at the uh, S and P 500. We had a, a gap a couple of weeks ago, and I, I have a feeling that gap zone is going to be important. Uh, and 
the momentum resistance is also there. So there's a lot of things you got to be paying attention to. I don't know if I'm uh, terribly concerned about that. The other thing I noticed is our companies. You know, it's just not Tesla. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's a, uh, a large manufacturer, BYD, uh, that you know, Chinese bucks and that type of thing, and they've been doing well. And Green Power Motors, uh, that's uh, it's actually a California thing that's uh, on the New York, I mean, on the Canadian thing. And NIU, which is Chinese scooters, and NEO, which is Chinese uh, electric cars. Uh, so there's a lot of things in, out there. And I've also noticed that, uh, you know, believe it or not, there's a certain manufacturer of motorcycles that is starting to look interesting uh, uh, here, you know. So I guess the question is, will Ford and GM participate uh, they've been tough stocks to move for a pretty long time. Um, you know, I, one of the things I uh, I was talking about uh, for a while here is when one of our analysts makes uh, something in their favorite pick, <laughs> uh, small cap. And, and uh, you know, um, Mark Mahaney made uh, Peloton his favorite pick at like 40. It's now 105. Uh, you know, Matt Hedberg made his favorite small cap pick, Datadog. Now he's got a couple new ones. And Datadog's gone, you know, straight up. Uh, and uh, Twillow is, is was one of his top four picks, and Twillow blew the uh, the thing out. And one of the one of the uh, new analysts that uh, took over some of Matt's stuff, you know, he's had Zoom and and Document. Uh, they, they've been home runs, you know. So uh, it makes sense to start to talk about uh, some of those big names. <laughs> I'll just say that. All right, uh, but you you want to probably mine the gap, I think, uh, in the uh, in the S and P five hundred. Look, people are starting to say, "Is this the end of a cycle or a normal seasonal electional election year pullback?" And I I think uh, you know I was listening to uh, um, uh, Rob Schleimer this week, and Rob is phenomenal. You know, he's with Funstrat. I I dreaded the day when he left us. Uh, He's with Funstrat now, but. Look, I think he thinks that the quarter four weakness that began for the S&P 500 in September is part of the normal abate and pleasant seasonal correction. All right. Remember, you want to go away in May and come back on All Souls Day. All right. And All Souls Day is coming soon. So just remember that October is a bottoming month, not a topping month. Okay. So. The, the market has bottomed in October more than any other month. Just remember that. So, look, uh, with equity low, uh, market lows developed before the election, the answer is yes. There's a growing consensus that the equity market is uninvestable until the election, which probably means we're, we're in great shape. Okay. Um, now, growth came back in the picture, which I thought was interesting. But uh, the, one of the things that I'm seeing is that and, – and, and, and Rob – Rob uh, highlights this is the weekly quadrant balance momentum uh, piece, which is a momentum thing, is, is looks like it's uh, bottoming. Uh, now, the VIX might have made a, a double bottom, so you got to be careful there. And the NDX or the VXN on that is something you have to pay close attention to, too. All right. The dollar did make a small double top here just recently, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but the weekly momentum on the dollar has is turning up. All right. So you. I mean, you gold people, be careful. Hey, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with the bullish percent. Stay tuned. All right, there we go. I'm not wearing sunglasses, I can tell you that. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we have uh, Jerry on the line. Jerry, how are you? Hey, good afternoon. Hey, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on annuities, uh, more specifically immediate annuities, and what role they play in a diversified portfolio. Um, I'm not a big fan of annuities. Okay. Uh, though I know I there's a need for them, and and what the need is, I think Jerry is that uh, some of my clients uh, have so much money, but their eyes are a little bit higher than that. If you know what I mean? Okay. And there's a gray area, and that gray area is where the annuity comes in. All right. So they've got 
you know, enough money to spend to a certain level, and then they want a little bit more. And that that's when the annuity comes in. Immediate annuities are just, you know, you're taking the interest rate now. Okay. The problem with, uh, I think, annuities is they start out with a higher interest rate, and they start to drop them down. And in my humble opinion, uh, fixed income right now is not a great investment. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. get any yields. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I just... You're going to lock in for 30 years at 1% or 2%, you know, and, and by the time, by the way, if, if they give you a 3%, you can count on that coming down. I can almost guarantee it. Now, the variable annuities, uh, what I do is I use the bullish percent within the variable annuity. And and that way, you know, where when the market's running, you're running with it. And when the market's uh, looking like it's going to correct, uh, you know, we pull money off the table. Okay. So um, mm-hmm. now... Sometimes I have some clients that don't always do what I tell them to do, but uh, in most cases, if they do it that way, it's fine. But they're, they're, they're high fees, too. And, um, you know, so I, I usually inherit them. <laughs> I, I don't sell them that much. Uh, uh, but when I inherit them, I try to do the best job I can with them. You know what I mean? So, uh, but if, that, if you have that gray area, that's what, that's what you need them for. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. so if, if you're spending tier, but you know your your eyes are are looking higher, that gap is what you need the annuity for, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, thanks very much. Uh, thanks, Gary. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. So, yeah, you too. Uh, so Thursday, the bullish percent for the S and P 500. Now, this is not the bullish percent reversed into a column of axes uh, with the current level of 48 percent. Uh, and likely probably to head, head higher. Now, domestic equities are still the number one asset class. Remember that, okay? So if you're doing it on relative strength, domestic equities are still there. Now, if you're Republican, that's important because, uh, <laughs> you know, the incumbent usually wins 100% of the time, just 100% of the time, if the market is strong in October. All right? So remember that. However, the bullish percent was down 4% to 47% today. So it's still on a column of O's. And what is the bullish percent? Well, it's our risk guide. It goes from zero, which we were there back in April. Uh, we got the five, one of the lowest readings I've ever seen. And uh, that's when you, you know, when nobody's bullish, okay? And everybody's jumping out of windows. <laughs> that's when you want to buy, folks, okay? So it keeps you objective. You know, it, it, has, it has no subjective compass here, okay? That's the key. So we were at 80, all right? And then we, we made a lower high at 70. And if you've ever talked to Tim Hayes in person or you're one of my clients, you know I hate lower highs, okay? So we'll just see what happens. But with a bullish percent for the S&P 500, that's positive. The other thing I would suggest is, so the bullish percent's at 47. It's in a column of O's. Exodus means we have the offensive team on the field. That's what just happened in the S&P, but not the bullish percent. The bullish percent is more like 5,000 stocks, okay? Uh, so the offensive team for the big stocks is on the field. That's important. But we're still in a column of O's, so we want to be a little bit more defensive with our general portfolio. Same with the over-the-counter stocks or the smaller stocks. They were down a percentage point to 41, uh, which is getting close to that 30 level. And same with the world index, which was down about a percentage point to 43, Okay. So all the major bullish percents continued uh, their descent this week, which I think is important. And the other thing is, is that the positive trend reversed down to a column of O's uh, and now resides at 44. You know, usually you want that to stay above 50, and it, it hasn't. So if I look at uh, what's happened domestically, uh, you know, it's hard to believe that, you know, we're the fourth quarter here, first of all, I think, but if we flash back and we look, uh, there's been a lot of change in 2020. But if you look underneath of the hood of U.S. equities and dynamic a- asset uh, level investing, which our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with, and they provide us with a bullish percent, by the way, uh, large cap growth is the top related style box. Technology is the number one rated sector. Sector, All right. Mid cap growth, large core round out the style. And while small mid cap and small blend remain at the bottom. OK, so, uh, y- you know. Cap weight, capitalization weight is better than equal weight right now. That, that's this is the longest that's happened, but that's but it's large cap growth, mid cap growth, large cap blend, and then small cap growth are the top four categories. Uh, and then it's technology, consumer, cyclical, 
communication services and basic material, and then healthcare in the top five. I did notice agriculture has the fastest move uh, out there, so there we go. Um, weekly momentum has been negative uh, it, with the Dow for about four weeks. For the for the small cap uh, and the emerging markets, it's been negative for eight weeks, so there might be something going on there where you could see a turn. But mid caps, small caps, uh, large caps, you damn it, it's been negative for about four or five weeks now. So, um, you know, the QQQs printed an all-time high earlier this – well, I, not this month, but last month – they were at 300, okay? Uh, they pulled back to 265 level from overbought territory. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a pretty big move down. So, look, the weight of evidence remains overwhelmingly positive for the QQQs. I just, uh, it's still up 29%, uh, and it's, but it's still overbought, okay? So we have some big support at 260, so you'll just remember that uh, when you're looking at things, looking things over. Uh, the SPY, like I said, uh, you know, both it and the QQQs and the SPY did turn into a column of X's this week. That's very positive, okay? That, but it's the big stocks, all right? So, you know, sometimes the big stocks drag everything else up, all right? Just remember. So we still have just 13 groups that are positive, but we have nothing above 70 now. So we've moved back, and we're, we're heading to the left on the sign curve, which is where you want to be. That's where you want to buy. So right now, gaming, building, and housing are at 60. That's a good place to start to look. You know, you got to check each chart out. Uh, computers, chemical, and steel are at 55. Uh, so another place where you can start to check. Uh, you, you know, you want to look at each individual stock, I think. Restaurants and retail are at 50, uh, getting even better. Precious metals and textiles are at 44, even better. Automobiles and financials are at 40. Financials just turning positive this week, by the way. And aerospace is at 35. Now, these are all the favored sectors, and I started at the most overbought to the least overbought. I do have six groups that are below 30 now. Savings and loans, drugs, banks, oils, gas utilities, and oil services, they have not turned up. But those are ones you want to look for uh, a turn, uh, if you will. Uh, so those for bottom fishers only, <laughs> and I don't buy them until they turn up, personally. So uh, gaming went favored. Uh, machinery went to average. Uh, electric utilities, real estate, electric uh, uh, products and telephones, oil services, uh, savings and loans, Wall Street, all went unfavored. Now, I, I did notice in dynamic asset level investing from our friends at Dorsey Wright that we have several uh, uh, countries, and it's, it's kind of interesting because it's even Stephen on the countries. We have Denmark, Taiwan, Netherlands, China, Sweden, all on buy signals. We have France, Germany, India on hold, and then we have Greece, Belgium. But it's, uh, the cells do have there's, – there's 13 cells, there's uh, nine hole, 11 holes, and there's uh, 12 buys. So, I mean, it, it really depends internationally where you are that, that's important. So, uh, you know, keep that in the back of your, your head. Uh, but, you know, China looks uh, – China, uh, Sweden, and Norway, uh, Ireland, uh, Denmark, they all look the best. The uh, United States looks kind of neutral. Uh, compared to those, by the way, and on fixed income, I I, um, I looked at the ten-year Treasury constant maturity rate, and you know, from 1980 down, you have one of the greatest bull markets in history. Uh, you know, in 1981, the, the yield peaked at 1584. All right, and the ten-year Treasury yield has been in a state of general decline since that. I mean, we're at an all-time low. So, uh, crude oil has been negative for 13 straight weeks. Gold's been negative for six straight weeks. This is because the dollar has rallied, just so you know. I said that in the middle of the summer. Uh, the dollar has rallied since. The question is, will it continue? We'll see. Uh, the I think what's it really interesting is the spot price for California water rights has just gone skyrocketed. It's gone from 200 to almost 500, down from 700. So uh, um, that's another situation you want to be very careful. You know, you want to buy. Uh, at that point, relative strength, you know, we always talk about relative strength. It's, it's a measure of how the stock is performing when compared to something else. In this case, it's the equal weight five, uh, S&P 500, which, by the way, is still down for the year. You know, just so you know, it, it's the you need 50 stocks if you want to be up this year. So there we go. But uh, Culp, which is in cyclical goods, uh, Cummins Engine, uh, Digimark, which is in software, Ingersoll Rand uh, are the buys this year. Uh, this week, and on the sell side, 
is Apollo Investments, uh, Braxstrom SA, which is from Brazil's chemical business, uh, First Bank Corp, Goler LNG, Hangar Orthopedic, uh, DCP uh, Midstream uh, Limited Partnership, Continental Resources. We're going to talk about that in the first half of uh, the first part of uh, my next segment. Alamira uh, Sciences, which is Biotech, Macy's, Ionis, Method Electronics, Neighbors Industries, Just Energy, Schlumberger, Tenneco, Twist Disc, United uh, Universal Technical Institute, the Compressed, Iger Biofarm, Adverum Biofarm, and G1 Therapeutics. There's a lot of sell signals this week. <laughs> uh, so, you know, look, if, if you've got to sell, you know, a relative strength sell, you should check your fundamentals. Make sure of them, okay? In the meantime, we'll be right back. Remember, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. That's a good song, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Uh, you know, I, I I was thinking, and uh, which is a scary thought when you think about it, but, uh, you know, this is the first time I've seen a sell-off of this magnitude where the, the bond market didn't rally. You know, it actually sold off a little bit. So... I don't know what's happening, but, you know, a, lar- a lot of the large cap technology stocks got whacked Thursday and Friday. But the the bond market, actually, the yields broke out, which is interesting. I don't, I don't think about that for a while. Anyway, um, we always talk about insiders on this show. And, and, look, what we've done is we've worked from Tom Lee and the great big economy. And we've moved down to some things about the election. Then we moved into some technical ideas. Then we moved into some relative strength ideas and some, you know, thoughts on the international markets, et cetera. And now, you know, we've talked about relative strengths. Those are names you probably want to write down on the buy side and on the sell side if you own them. And then now we talk about insiders. So what we're trying to do is take this huge market and move it in in, in a funnel down to your brain. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. So, look, uh, insiders are always early. They, uh, they sometimes they're two or three years early. Okay, I remember uh, Gillette in 1982. They they were buying like crazy. You know that I mean, if back then it was millions of dollars, and everybody thought, "What the heck's going on?" Gillette was one of the greatest performers for the next 25, 30 years uh, on the planet until Procter and Gamble bought them. So there you go. Anyway, uh, the first one is uh, I've got a couple that you're not going to see, and uh, you know I just I'll mention that to you. Uh, there's there's a company that broke out big and uh, it has a, a product for tumors, which is I think uh, kind of interesting, and it's called Celdex Therapeutics. And the stock broke out, and we had 11 or 14 insiders average about 100,000 shares. That's usually a good sign when stocks break out to a new high and, and then continue on. Also this week, I noticed that our good friend uh, Mr. Uh, Nelson Peltz. Um, you know, he bought Cisco, uh, the food company, back when it was 52, 55 area. It's now in the 60s. And, uh, you know, it looks like I was looking at the options, you know, and I, I thought maybe it'd be a good option buy. But, you know, I don't really do too much with options. So, uh, but anyway, he took a 5% stake in both Janus and Invesco this week. Uh, Janus broke out very nicely, and uh, Invesco had already broken out. So that's kind of interesting. Mr. Peltz, uh, when he's successful, I think the only time I've seen him unsuccessful in getting a stock, you know, he gets on the board and he starts talking. Uh, the only time I've seen him unsuccessful was GE. And uh, I don't know who blew that place up, whether it was Jack Welch or uh, uh, his predecessor, but uh, they, they blew the place up. And so who knows? Um, but anyway, they bought uh, 5% in both Janice and Invesco. And then um, I also... Uh, th- this is kind of interesting because I, I like these guys a lot. I think they're smart money, but uh, there, there is a company called Proterra Therapeutics and Perceptive Advisors talked to, uh, they just announced that they have a 5.8% passive stake in it. 
And Opal Eye Management also bought 50,000 shares. Uh, I don't know who they are. I, I haven't been able to have time to look them up or anything like that. Now, here's some real interesting names. William Duncan. This is Randall Duncan now, okay? He's the new CEO, he's the director of enterprise products. He uh, stepped up to the plate and bought 15,000 shares. Uh, and he, he bought, uh, it was about 15 million bucks worth. Uh, so I think he bought a preferred type thing, you know? Uh, and, and Brett Icahn, uh, Carl Icahn's son, bought uh, IEP, which is their tr- trading, you know, their hedge fund. Uh, and he bought uh, $10 million worth, which is very interesting. And Harold Hamm, you know, so we have Mr. Duncan and Mr. Hamm, two of the smartest guys ever in the oil industry. Uh, and remember last week, Mr. or two weeks ago, Mr. Kinder, you know, Richard Kinder from Kinder Morgan bought some. So uh, Harold Hamm bought uh, uh, $9.7 million. That is his eighth purchase this year. Okay. Which is interesting. Okay. You like to see that. Uh, and then, um, uh, Odonic Therapeutics, which just got killed. It was 45 bucks, and I think it's now 14 15 maybe. Um, we had Aaron Davis, who's the director, and Kevin Tang. Kevin Tang also bought La Jolla Pharmaceuticals. He bought, a, by the way, he bought some at seven, and he bought some at three. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting to see these guys because sometimes they're early or sometimes there's bad news about things. But Kevin Tang bought some, and also Boxer Capital bought some. Uh, and, and they bought a lot, uh, you know, a couple million here, a couple million there. And, you know, that's what you like to see if you are uh, looking for the stock to buy, I guess. Also, um, you know, I, I noticed uh, Net One UEPS Technologies, which is software. Uh, Anthony Ball, who's a pretty smart guy, by the way, I've read quite a bit about him. He had four or five purchases, started out with 900000 then he had a 600000 and a 400000 and a couple 300000 uh, so he 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 bought more, and uh, you know you always like uh, seeing seeing stuff like that. And then finally, uh, Douglas Emmett, which is a REIT, uh, down quite a bit. Uh, Jordan Kaplan, who's the chief executive officer, bought uh, just under a million dollars worth, uh, which you always like to see. Uh, so you know we're having. Oh, I want to mention uh, Nvidia. You know Nvidia. We had Steve Neal buy some a while back, and uh, there was another insider purchase of a quarter million. This is at a brand new high. So these guys are pretty, you know, they got uh, intestinal fortitude, we'll say. All right. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned Cody, which is Compass uh, Diversified, uh, was at a new high. And uh, uh, Gordon Burns bought uh, some more stock. Remember, he, he bought almost a million dollars worth over the last month. And uh, he's just bought another $250,000 worth. So we just uh, keep that in mind. That is a really interesting stock simply because it's got a good dividend yield for those you people looking for it. Um, you know, I, I was looking at uh, some things and, uh, you know, people were asking about the stock market and I, I thought we were ready to break the downtrend line. Uh, you know, we broke the uptrend line that dated back to, uh, you know, the bottom in April. And, uh, and I thought we were going to break the downtrend line again. And we came right up to it and died <laughs> Which uh, you know is is a problem, obviously. So you, you needed some uh, you know follow through there, and we didn't get it. Uh, which means that you know there's probably going to be some uh, uh, you know it, it'll take a while to break that line is what it comes down to. So you know if you look at some of the previous peaks and the lows made uh, the, the lows made, I think it was like uh, 3,300. Uh, level the first resistance on the S&P 500. We got up there and, and it kind of faded and then uh, broke out above. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I think it's 27,500 on the Dow. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, if those hold, you know, and uh, I guess the question is, uh, you know, what's the next stop? Well, look, uh, at the Dow, we have some resistance, like I said, at that uh, 2750, and it looks like we've, we've broken through it. And, and now I think you look at 28,000, maybe 300, uh, somewhere around there, uh, you know, the old high being 29,000 um, and some change. So uh, th- that's a couple of things that I would be paying pretty close attention to. Um, now, my problem is this, is that I see the S&P 500 and that QQQs, you know, moving into a column of X's that could be positive. Uh, but yeah, I look, I think you have to, you know, 
um, you know, on Friday, all the markets were indicated lower because of the COVID and, the, and obviously the presidential, you know, situation. Uh, so, break, you know, it, it looked like we were going to get whacked, and we did. And it looked like mostly it was the large cap technology stocks that were getting whacked. I did see a lot of the small cap stocks, you know, looking better. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think there's quite a bit of correction risk in those larger cap, larger growth stocks. So uh, I think, you know, you want to be uh, particularly careful. Uh, look, if we continue, you know, the one thing that Tom Lee talked about is that he was worried that we were going to do nothing about the pandemic. And if that occurs and uh, the cases start to rally again, uh, you know, there's only like five or six states where the, the cases are rallying and the rest of them are kind of declining here. So if we were to get that to continue, but remember, these things pick up as, as it gets colder. So, uh, you know, flus and viruses, for some reason, do great in cold weather and, and poorly in, in, uh, in bad weather. So here's what I'd be doing this week. I, I, look, I think there's a couple things I would highly recommend. Like I said, for you guys, uh, you folks, <laughs> you guys, you folks looking for di dividend income. Uh, remember, dividend income is taxed at a lower rate than your CDs. <clears throat> or your bonds, okay? So you, if you get a combination of the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list, you can get a check a month, all right? We can work on that for you. So also, you know, uh, guys that own a business, if you own a business and you're thinking about selling it or you're transitioning it, we've got a great piece for you, the Bu Business Owner's Guide to Transition Planning. Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, uh, interest rates are as low as they're going to be. That's a good time to, to be uh, borrowing. Also, our all-cap growth list is done dynamite, and there's a couple stocks on there, Peloton, a couple other names that have been just rocket ships up. Uh, so that's another group that I'd be looking at, especially as they corrected a little bit. You know, uh, you want to buy things down now, okay? So, but the good news is the S&P 500 and QQQs are in a column of X's, very positive. So a good way to end the weekend. Maybe uh, we'll have the October rally, and uh, so those of you who are Republicans out there, that that'd be a big positive. In the meantime. Have a great weekend. My name is Tim Hayes. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.